Hey, it's good to see everybody today. Thank you all for joining us. Everybody who's online, really glad that you are with us. Uh, we are wrapping up a series today. This summer, we have gone on an adventure together in a series here at Hope we've called Summer by the Sea. And uh, this journey led us to the Sea of Galilee, which we learned is uh, that it's here at this single location where the majority of the ministry of Jesus occurs. How about that? Isn't that amazing? This special place would be where Jesus would spend so much of his time. And we went to Capernaum. You want to put up the picture of the sea there. Isn't that beautiful? Sea of Galilee. I could spend some time there. And that's where Jesus, that's the lake of Jesus. It's where so much of his ministry occurred. And we went to Capernaum, which is a small fishing village there where Jesus calls his first disciples around the lake. Jesus feeds 5,000. He teaches in parables. He calms a storm. And throughout this series, we've had the life-changing experience to actually walk where Jesus walked. has been incredible. And for me personally, this series has left me in awe. As we've come face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ, I've asked questions. I hope you have too, like, who is this Jesus? Jesus has exhibited the power of his word. I think about it with two words. Follow me. People leave everything behind and they go after Jesus. At the command of Jesus, the demons flee, the storms still. As Matt showed us last week, even, even a fish comes up carrying a tribute in his mouth. Jesus is awesome, isn't he? And today the greatness of Jesus will continue to shine forth as we look at one of Jesus' most famous miracles when Jesus walks on the water. You guys remember that story? Very famous story. Now, I have never walked on water, but I have tried to water ski. Anybody ever attempted to water ski? Yep. I remember years ago, a lot of my friends were going out to the lake, do some water skiing, and I had the opportunity to join them. And they all did some water skiing, and they're like, hey, Brian, you want to give it a try? I got my, you know, my life jacket on, got out into the water, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of assessing the situation, you know, two, uh, two boards, we've got some water, a tow rope, and a speedboat. You know, what could go wrong, really, you know? So uh, first, two, first two attempts, I completely failed. I didn't get up. And then on the third attempt, I was like, look, my friends are in the boat. You know, I, I gotta, I can't mess this up. So I tell myself, no matter what happens, I am not letting go of this rope. The boat took off, and I became the only person in the lake who was water skiing underwater. <laughs> True story. Did not go well. All right, well, um, today we find the disciples in a boat on a lake, and it's not going well. They are struggling. A violent storm is kicked up, which, you know, as you guys know, um, it's not uncommon for the Sea of Galilee to get these storms. And the passage tells us, I think this line is key, it says, the winds were against them. Have you ever felt that way before? Wind was against them. It's very interesting. Not only does Jesus show up walking on the water, but Peter, <laughs> yeah, Peter, he steps out of the boat. And for a moment, Peter walks on water too. It was a 
paradigm-shifting experience for those who were there. It would change their view of Jesus for the rest of their lives. You ever been in a storm? They say you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm. Is there an area of your life where you're battling a storm? Maybe it's a stressful situation at work. Maybe you're stepping out into something or you are stepping into a new school year and there's, you know, some things that are going on or you want to heal that marriage or start a family or improve your health. Has it ever felt like as you're doing some of these things like the winds are against you? Life is against you. Circumstances are against you. If you're battling a storm, I want to encourage you that Jesus hasn't abandoned you. He's with you in the storm. And because Jesus is with you in the storm, the storm need not defeat you. Yeah, look at the storm. Walk in fear. We all will sink. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus and have faith in who Christ is, what if we could walk on water? What if we could walk in victory through that storm? So pick it up in Matthew 14. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. We'll put it up on the screen. That's easier for you. Matthew 14, we're wrapping up our Summer by the Sea series. Now Matthew 14 takes us back a couple of weeks. In Matthew 14, Jesus feeds 5,000. And uh, you might remember Drew taught on that a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I just, one of our, our visions for this series was that we would be able to give some new teachers an opportunity to teach. You guys heard the, the statistics? We have, what, 46 teachers in our archive, and we want that vision to continue. So can we just thank our teachers? We had a lot of teachers this summer. Can we just thank them? They've all done such an awesome job. And I'm really excited to be a part of a church where we can come week in and week out and just be encouraged in God's word. And I'm so thankful for them. But a couple of weeks ago, Drew explained, um, here in this story of the feeding of the 5,000, that after the death of John the Baptist, you guys remember Jesus wanted to be alone? And so he got in a boat and he set sail for Bethsaida. But the crowds started following Jesus. And when Jesus arrives and gets out of the boat, he's greeted by a crowd of about 5,000 men. Now, Matthew adds this phrase, not including women and children. So we could estimate that there might have been a crowd there that day somewhere between, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people. You know, so much for Jesus <laughs> being able to be alone, right? It's a lot of people. But rather than avoid that crowd, I like what the Bible says. It says that Jesus had compassion on them. And he demonstrates his power that day by feeding all 15 to 20,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. It had been a miraculous day. And I love how Drew encouraged us. He said, see, you can trust Jesus because of his perfect compassion and his unlimited power. But guys, all that was about to be put to, put to the test. See, as the day comes to a close, Jesus dismisses the crowd while he encourages disciples to get into a boat and to go on ahead. 
And do you see it now? Jesus is finally alone. He finally gets that quiet time with God that he had been longing for from the very beginning. And as his disciples sail off onto the sea, Jesus goes up on the hillside and he begins to pray. Look what happens. Pick it up, Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. This is what it said. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now here comes the storm. Later that night, he was there alone. Now Jesus spent some time in prayer, right? I mean, he's praying into the night. I think that's really exemplary. It says the boat was already a considerable distance from the land and buffeted by the waves because, here it is, the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. With little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you so much for this morning. And uh, we just acknowledge your presence with us. We thank you that you're King Jesus. That whatever storms come our way, that you're here, you're present, you're with us. And we just want to ask today as we hear your word, as we look at this, this miraculous story, God, I pray that our hearts would be strengthened. I ask that we would walk in courage so that we're truly able to step out in faith and into the incredible plans and purposes you have for every one of us. So God, bless this time in your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our subject for the message today, how to walk on water. How to walk on water. How do we triumph over the storm? How do we not let the storms defeat us? Here's point number one. Acknowledge the difficulty. Acknowledge the difficulty. And I'll admit, I'm the first one when life gets hard. I'll be like, yep, I'm okay. I got this. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Anybody else? But all that's just kind of happy talk, isn't it? Right? We, the truth is, we need to get real. Because the sooner we acknowledge the storm, the sooner we put our faith in Jesus, the sooner we walk on that water. Acknowledge the difficulty. So let's just acknowledge, start here, acknowledging the difficulty of the disciples' situation. They're in a tough situation here. Number one, they're in a storm. Uh, we've mentioned throughout this series that these, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, storms could come on suddenly and severely. The lake itself, the Sea of Galilee, is low. It sits some 600 feet before sea, below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. And yet it's surrounded by these rising hills and mountainsides. 
So the most violent storms are driven by these fierce winds which plummet down the mountainsides and kick up fierce winds and waves. So that in our story, these disciples who are experienced fishermen, strong fishermen, even they cannot move forward against the winds coming against them. They make very little headway. And I want you to imagine going through such a storm, you know, not just during the day, but at night, in the dark, nowhere near land. This is where the disciples are at. Verse 23 and 24. It says, later that night, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So think a tumultuous storm in the darkness of night. I mean, this is a scary situation. Acknowledge the difficulty. Number one, they're in a storm. Are you facing headwinds? Are you in a storm? Number two, second difficulty we can acknowledge in our story. Uh, Jesus isn't in the boat. How interesting is that? Jesus isn't in the boat. Now this, was this the first time the disciples had been in a storm? Have they ever been in a storm before? Yeah, absolutely, right? They've been in storms before. The last storm they were in, do you guys remember? Jesus was in the boat. And he is, by the way, in that situation, kind of relaxed. You remember he's kind of relaxing on the pillow. Remember what happened? Matthew 8, 25 to 27. It says the disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So I just got to wonder this time, as the disciples are rowing against a fierce storm, if they ever found themselves looking back to where Jesus was, kind of wondering why Jesus wasn't in the boat with them, wishing that Jesus, who had calmed the storm before, had been in the boat with them this day. They felt discouraged. They felt alone. We acknowledge the difficulty. There's a storm. Jesus is in the boat. But I got to say, maybe the hardest thing of all is that it was Jesus who sent them. Did you guys catch that in our story? Not only are they in a storm, but Jesus was the one who sent them. How crazy is that? Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead. Who, who made the disciples get into the boat? Jesus. That's crazy. Jesus is Lord. He knows they're about to face the storm. And yet he pushes them into it anyway. Seemingly without him in the boat. Now, now the truth is, we're never far from Jesus, right? We're going to see that in a minute. But I think there's this idea that, yeah, I'll just trust Jesus. I'll invite him into my life. Everything's going to be easy. No more storms. My life is going to be phenomenal. Thank you, Jesus. And that's so here, right? Do you ever find yourselves just in a storm? difficulty, setbacks, you know, facing things you never anticipated, maybe crying out to God, 
Why is this happening in my life? Now, sometimes we go through storms because of our own disobedience, but notice here, these guys are in a storm not because they're out of the will of God, but because they've gone into the will of God. Do you see that? So if you're in a storm today, it's no proof that you're out of the will of God. If you're following Jesus Christ with all your heart, it's also no guarantee that you won't go through storms. Storms come. Storms hit. But why? Why put the disciples in the storm? You guys see how Jesus is actually training his disciples by degree? First time they go out into the storm, Jesus isn't in the boat. He's right there. He helps them. But this time, what? No Jesus. They're learning to walk by faith, not by sight. The training program of Jesus is, okay, now you go into the storm. You say it's difficult. It's meant to be difficult. The purpose of Jesus is not just that we go through storms, but that we grow through storms. I love what James says. In James chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. What? Joy? Nah. He says, no, there is a joy. And here's where we can draw joy. When we face trials and storms of many kinds, James says, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How about that? See, the storm isn't meant to stop you. It's meant to grow you. It's meant to develop you. It's meant to increase your faith so that you might have some confidence in your life that through the power of Jesus Christ, you can do hard things. He's training us in the storm. We acknowledge the difficulty. Storms come. But guys, this is where faith gets to shine. How do we walk on water? Number one, acknowledge the difficulty. Number two, recognize Jesus. Recognize Jesus. I love this. Jesus doesn't abandon them, but he meets them in the storm. And it should encourage us today that in our storms, we are with Jesus. He is there. The problem is sometimes in our storms, we don't recognize his presence. The disciples don't recognize the presence of Jesus. They thought he's what? A ghost. How crazy is that? And that can happen in the darkness. Especially when you have a man walking on the water. I don't blame him. See, it's not always easy to recognize somebody in the dark. And I can, I can speak from firsthand experience. Angie and I were dating and uh, one night, after I said goodbye, I drove off in my car. And it was dark. It wasn't late, but I had this crazy idea. Like, what if I turned around and went to the window and gave Angie a nice little serenade? Great idea. So I turn around, and I park right next to her window. It just so happened it was in the neighbor's driveway. I thought, no big deal, right? Like, it's not like they shouldn't recognize my car. I'm at her house all the time, but they didn't. 
So they called the police. And it was just minutes later, you know, you see the flashing lights, the police arrive, I'm there. They're like, hands in the air. I mean, it's dark. And they, you know, frisk me down and go to the door. Hey, do you know this young man? Terrifying experience. But thank God the police came because the neighbor was coming around the back with a golf club to take off my head. True story. Needless to say, I never tried that again. Angie finally did get her song, though. I did sing a very lovely song to her at our wedding ceremony. I'm sure that's on video, and hopefully it never sees the light of day. But <laughs> it all goes to say, a lot of us here, and a lot of you, we know Jesus, right? But in the dark, when it's stormy, we don't always recognize the presence of Christ. We, we seem to get consumed with our circumstances, absorbed in our storm, and we fail to recognize who Jesus is and how awesome he is, how, how he's right there with us. Look what happens to the disciples. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. They're scared. They're afraid. Wouldn't you be? I would be scared. Rowing in the night in a storm, and you look back and you see some figure walking on the water. Like, all of a sudden, we're in a Ghostbusters movie. Or something strange in the neighborhood. It's a ghost. Like they're freaking out, okay? We all would. Think about it, for a man to walk on top of a stormy sea, not only unusual, but it's miraculous. And think about the, what this says about who Jesus is. Jesus walks on the water, right? He, he sits above the storm. All storms come under the feet of Jesus. No matter what you're facing today, it is not outside of Jesus' control. He is the Lord of the storm. And all things come under his feet. Begin to recognize Jesus. Begin to see Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. He literally says, Take courage. In the Greek, ego, eimi, it is I. I love how we announce names of God today. All right, let's go, let's do some names of God. In the Old Testament, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. Moses cries out, tell me your name. What does God say his name is? He says, my name is I am. Exodus 3.14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. He's the eternal God. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am the God of the ages has sent me to you. Now, just saying I am doesn't mean, hey, I'm God. In any other circumstance, if Jesus just showed up, it was like, hey, I'm here. I am. Yeah, we would say he's just kind of saying, hey, guys, it's me. But not here, not in this circumstance, not 
spoken by the one who, according to Job 9.8, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Jesus shows up in his glory and says, I am with you. He is the eternal God. He is the God of the ages. He is the God that triumphs over the storm, that walks on the waters. And isn't it amazing that in Scripture, that almost every time God in His Word says, fear not, somewhere nearby, we also read God saying, for I am with you. He's with you in the storm. See, it's not that God will remove the storm. It's that God meets us in the storm. And it's his presence that gives us peace. It's his presence that comforts us. It's his presence that gives us the strength to keep moving forward. He's with you to recognize his presence. How to walk on water. Number one, acknowledge the difficulty. This is tough. Number two, recognize his presence. Take courage, Jesus says. I am with you. And then last one, step out in faith. And I just want you to look here at the boldness of Peter. Peter's like, man, love this guy. He's, he's, uh, he's the bold one here. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you to walk on water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. I think most of us would be like, the other 11 disciples be like, you know what? I'm staying in the boat. Jesus, glad you're here. Would you calm that storm? Peter's like, no. Nah. No, nah, I'm getting out of the boat. I want to meet Jesus out in the storm. All I need is his word, and I can walk on water too. Now, Peter has faith, and he walks in victory over the storm. It's such a powerful example. And I think when I think about the boat, I think about my comfort zone. You guys have a comfort zone? I'm like, yeah, this is my happy place. This is my boat. This is my comfort zone. But what we see here is because of who Jesus is, we can step out of that comfort zone. We can step out of that boat. We can release our fears. We can do greater things for the glory of God. Amen. Because Jesus is with us. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can walk on water. We can do things beyond what we ever imagined. And sometimes it's actually the very first step. That's the scariest step, isn't it? Can you imagine Peter taking that first step out of that boat? Getting out of his comfort zone. But we see even Peter has doubts and fears. Verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Just know Jesus is always right there. You have a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? He just encourages him to keep on trusting. And I know in my own life, there have been times where we've stepped out, on, out in faith. And maybe it's stepping into a storm, but maybe it's just what, what our family calls doing hard things. And uh, for us this year, we're stepping out in faith with some financial decisions and some school decisions. And there are moments where we start to go, are we sure? Can we do this? And we just keep encouraging one another. Let's just keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. See, I think when the storm comes, we all have to decide either fear or faith. And, and I think so many times those doubts come 
We start asking those scary what-if questions. As we look at our circumstances, we begin to wonder, can I actually do this? You know, like I imagine Peter stepping out of the boat, you know, legs shaking. I've been there. You've been there, right? And, and we just get anxious. And Jesus is saying, keep believing. Why? Keep trusting me. The fear is what happens when all we see is the storm. Faith is what happens when we see Jesus in our storm and greater than the storm, right? He's the one that stretched out the heavens. He's the one that treads on the waters. He is the one at the end of the day that stills the storm in our heart. Verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, I love this final scene. Jesus and Peter get into the boat. The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Isn't that incredible? That's our confidence. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no one greater than Jesus anywhere. He's the God we can trust. So how do we walk on water? Acknowledge the difficulty. Recognize Jesus. Step out in faith. And maybe you're here today and you want to step out in faith for the very first time. You want Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your life and change your life. You don't want to face those storms alone anymore. And the Bible says, if you, all who call on me will be saved. You call on Jesus today, he'll come. He'll be there. Invite him into your heart. Invite him into the life. We're not saved by what we do but by, by what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross for our sins, paid the price, risen from the dead as Lord and Savior. And I just want to challenge you this morning, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ, today's a great day to just get out of that boat, step out of that comfort zone, and to put your faith in Jesus. Receive him into your heart and into your life today. But I also know that many of you have done that. And many of you are here, you're walking with Jesus, and he's taken you into the waters. He's taking you into new things, new frontiers, difficult things, whatever it is. And my encouragement is that whatever you're going through right now, whether it's a prodigal child, whether it's a health crisis, a financial crisis, relationship difficulty, or whatever it is, I want you to know and be assured that greater is he who is in you than the storm that you face. And the Jesus who walked on the water, he's walking right beside you today. And if you'll look to God today, and not just your circumstances, you can rise above this storm. Let's pray as we close. Father God, thank you so much for how awesome you are. I think so many times in our lives we feel like the storm is big and we are small. And the truth is that storms are big and we are small. But you're greater than any storm. You're greater than any challenge. You're greater than any adventure that we want to set out on. And one of the great thrills in life is being able to trust you into the unknown, into the difficulty, knowing we're going to rise above because you are with us. So I pray for those who are hurting. I pray for those who are stretched. I pray for those who are tired and weary. 
And as we close our service today in worship, take our eyes from the waves, take our eyes from our fears, and place them firmly on our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you for the peace that comes when we acknowledge your presence. And we do that today. There's no one like our God. There's no one greater than the name of Jesus Christ. And we're not alone today. He is with you. He's mighty to save. He treads on the waters and you can trust him through the doubts and through the fears. Would you stand this morning? Stand with us as we close in worship. God, bless us in this moment. We need your presence. Calm our fears. Meet us with your matchless grace. To rise above things we never imagined. Because you are king. In Jesus' name, amen. You worship with us this morning.